Welcome to the Caravan Podcast, a venture of the Herbert and Jane Dwight Working Group on the Middle East and the Islamic World at the Hoover Institution. The Working Group publishes commentary on the Middle East and questions for U.S. foreign policy. You can read our work at www.hoover.org caravan. Our podcasts are a new undertaking and we intend to produce about two each month. Please follow us. I'm Russell Berman, co-director of the Working Group, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Faisal J. Abbas. Faisal is editor-in-chief of Arab News and a prolific commentator on Middle East politics. Arab News recently collaborated with YouGov, the UK-based market research and data analytics firm, to conduct a public opinion survey concerning Arab views on the U.S. election. Looking at its results, we gain some important insights into the political aspirations that circulate in North Africa, the Levant, and the Gulf. I'm happy to have the opportunity to discuss the results with Faisal. Welcome to the Caravan Podcast. Faisal, um, good to speak with you. Uh, Let's begin, please, by setting the stage. Uh, Could you briefly give a brief description of the survey? When was it conducted? How many participants and where? Um, absolutely, with uh, great pleasure, and it's a pleasure to be uh, talking to you, uh, Russell, uh, on this uh, uh, podcast at this very uh, exciting time for both the United States and for uh, our region uh, in the Middle East. Um, to answer your question, so uh, as you uh, rightly pointed out in the introduction, we partnered with YouGov, the uh, online uh, polling uh, giant. Um, we've done a series of uh, poll, uh, polls with them uh, in the past. Uh, On this one, we had a total number of uh, respondents of uh, 3,097 Arabic uh, speakers, um, residents or citizens of the uh, uh, Middle East in 18 countries around the Arab world. Um, All of them are uh, 18 years uh, are uh, over. We made sure that there's a gender balance. So uh, the respondents are equally split split between uh, men and women, uh, 50%, 50%. And uh, uh, basically, uh, the only countries that haven't been included are either we couldn't, uh, because YouGov specializes in online polling, so countries with uh, no limited, uh, with limited access to the internet or undergoing uh, a war, but we do believe that it's quite uh, responsive, uh, um, representative. And uh, the last thing I want to say is that there is an overall margin of error of about 1.76%. Okay, thank you. That um, helps us understand the context of what we're going to be talking about. Um, Now, in response to the question, who is better for the Arab world, Biden or Trump? 49% said that neither is. I guess that reflects generally low expectations about American foreign policy. But there was nonetheless a clear preference for Biden at 40% versus Trump at 12%. But beyond that, what I found interesting was a significant regional variation. Trump scores at 18% in the Gulf and the Levant, but only 9% in North Africa. Can you speculate on the causes of that regional difference? Yeah, of course. Um, First of all, I want to say that the results were not surprising um, for us. And um, the fact that uh, the... uh, Gulf region, for example, shows more popularity of uh, Donald Trump. Um, I have to say, having lived in uh, the Gulf 
throughout being from there and living um, in the Gulf throughout his presidency, um, I can safely tell you he's been one of the most popular um, presidents of uh, the United States uh, in uh, the region. I mean, I specifically remember um, after the strike on Syria, for example, um, as you know, there was a lot of frustration uh, across the Arab world, but especially uh, in the Gulf when uh, President Obama backtracked on uh, the red line of the using chemical weapons. Um, there's also the fact that President Trump um, made it a point to visit Saudi Arabia, which uh, as his first um, uh, foreign uh, visit uh, as president, and in return, Saudi Arabia um, arranged uh, a, a three-in-one, uh, as you know, President Trump liked uh, deals. So Saudi Arabia, uh, arranged a Gulf summit, an Islamic summit, and an Arab world summit for him uh, to uh, to meet with the leaders. Um, and um, of course, uh, he enjoys uh, uh, a, a huge popularity also in the United Arab Emirates. One thing I would like to point out is, uh, of course, uh, uh, again, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain ended up signing the Abraham uh, Accords, despite uh, uh, the Palestinian issue not being uh, resolved uh, yet. Um, uh, so uh, uh, perhaps countries in North Africa might have had different points of views. I would like to point out to one um, factual uh, uh, issue there is that um, this study uh, took place right before uh, the elections in uh, November. So uh, I would imagine if we ask the same questions to the same respondents, I um, uh, like I would place my bet that um, President Trump would score much higher in Morocco, for example, considering um, he was just uh, honored by uh, uh, King uh, Mohammed the uh, sixth in recognition of the Sahara uh, uh, issue. So um, all I can say is. Uh, these numbers, these statistics are 99.8% uh, uh, if we take out the, manage, uh, the, the margin of error accurate uh, at the time uh, they were conducted. Of course, um, uh, geopolitics events that take place after would have affected it. So what I'm trying to say is um, it makes perfect sense that Trump was more popular uh, in the Gulf. Um, Perhaps uh, I'm, uh, I'm leaning towards assuming that if we would repeat um, the uh, same study at this time, uh, uh, this junction of time in North Africa, uh, perhaps uh, Trump would score higher, in, uh, at least in Morocco. Uh, that's interesting. But in any case, the Trump administration is over now and the Middle East foreign policy will be up to the Biden team. A major theme of the Biden campaign was the goal of returning to the foreign policy agenda of the Obama administration when, of mm -hmm. course, Biden was vice president. We now know that his foreign policy staff will involve many influential veterans of the Obama years. While Obama initially raised high hopes in the Muslim world with his famous speech in Cairo, the survey surprisingly shows the Arab public giving Obama very, very low grades. 53% of the respondents say that Obama left the region worse off and only 26% he improved it. In some countries, the verdict is even more severe. 63% of Syrians say Obama harmed the region and in Iraq, the number rises to 69%. How do you explain this devastating judgment on Obama Middle East policy 
And what lessons should the Biden administration draw from this? Um, in fact, I think there was a very bitter uh, lesson for us in the region uh, because, uh, and it's summarized uh, as follows, um, actions speak louder than uh, words. As you pointed out, um, if President Obama was running for election across the Arab world, I think after the Cairo speech, he would have had one with his landslide. Um, however, the actions did not match the rhetoric. Um, so, um, and you know, uh, different countries might have different issues with different administrations, but um, there is a working formula uh, in the region which has worked in, in decades with regards to US allies um, in, in, in the region. And particularly regarding geopolitics, uh, I'm not talking about internal affairs of, of countries, I'm talking about uh, geopolitics. Um, I think uh, President Obama was uh, a victim of his own good intention. Um, um, I, I honestly don't think anybody thinks Obama was a, a bad president um, uh, or had bad intentions. I think he was too ambitious and not much of a realist. Um, and the, the sentiment in uh, Gulf capitals, for example, uh, particularly in, in, in Saudi Arabia during the Obama era is like, okay, look, the Americans are our friends, they are our allies, um, you know, all we can do is tell them that we don't think the way you're headed uh, is uh, correct. And, you know, um, unfortunately uh, for the Obama administration, that turned out to be true. So despite all the appeasement to Iran, despite all the warnings, not just from Saudi Arabia, but from other US allies, including uh, Israel in uh, the region, um, they went ahead and tried to uh, appease what essentially is a ruthless monster, which is the Iranian regime. And how did it end up? The Houthi, the, the Iranian-backed Houthi militias uh, in the Gulf of Aden ended up uh, uh, firing at attacking the U.S. Navy, not once, not twice, but three times just before uh, Obama uh, left office. And this is, uh, and not to mention that, you know, the, ga the gamble or the bet that the administration have, and I fully understand, I mean, I fully understand where the Obama administration was coming from. Their idea is, look, if we can disarm Iran, if we can uh, win them over, without firing a bullet, then, you know, we would have achieved our uh, uh, results. We would have achieved regional stability uh, without spilling blood and without risking the lives of our soldiers and without putting our resources at, at risk. This is great. And this is 100% logical and the right thing to do with a regime or with a government that understands cost and benefits, that understands carrots and sticks, not with an ideological uh, uh, leadership that uh, uh, you know will uh, uh, bargain and will negotiate, but then end up doing what they want anyway because they don't believe in uh, costs and, and and benefits. They they are there. They think they are there to achieve a higher uh, cause. So um, uh, and this is what we've been trying uh, to say. I say we. I mean, the Gulf countries, the U.S. allies in the region. Um, we've tried, you know, we have had periods where we've tried to kind of have a, 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 a reconciliation with, 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 with Iran. But unfortunately, um, this uh, regime, um, despite like the similarities that 
you know, or uh, the common history that we have between uh, Persia and, and the Arab world, this regime unfortunately cannot be trusted. And I'm, I'm afraid that the Obama administration um, had to learn uh, the hard way, the hard way. So this is why we're saying uh, we really hope um, that even if there are, um, you know, stars from the Obama uh, era that are um, joining um, the Biden administration, that they would have learned uh, this lesson. And to be fair, uh, Russell, from what I've been hearing, of course, this is quite early days, but from what I've been hearing, um, um, that uh, uh, they have issued reassurances to Gulf countries and uh, Israel that any discussions with the uh, Iranians will uh, engage them. And uh, I think the exact quote is, we want to have this engagement at the takeoff uh, phase, not at the landing phase, which is which has been very reassuring. Well, that is reassuring, but um, you've brought us to Iran. Uh, and as you know, a prominent part of the Biden agenda has been the idea of returning to the JCPOA, to the Iran deal. What does the Arab public think about the JCPOA? What does your survey show? Um, look, in general, across uh, the region, uh, there is, I mean, don't forget, a lot of people don't know the nitty gritty and don't know the details about it. But um, so like a lot of topics, people are split about it. But um, but I also think more important than what the Arab world thinks, um, I think it's very important for Americans to understand that there is nobody in their right mind that doesn't want to see a disarmed, uh, a, a nuclear, nuclear disarmed uh, uh, Iran. Everybody wants uh, to ensure that uh, Iran does not, uh, with that type of government that I've just described in the previous answer, does not get its hands on any means to develop nuclear weapons. That's a recipe for disaster. Okay, so there is no dispute about that. I think the misunderstanding or uh, the argument is, uh, uh, you know, during the Obama era, that's where it stopped. Um, what we feel, and perhaps this also gives you a bit more, uh, I might, I should have actually mentioned this uh, when you asked me about the difference between uh, Trump and uh, Biden in the region and why Trump is more popular. Trump had uh, a hawkish position towards uh, Iran. The Gulf countries are uh, in the line of fire of, uh, of, of Iran. So we feel more secure uh, when uh, um, somebody understands um, the, the danger that uh, Iran um, uh, uh, consists. So um, what I'm trying to say is uh, 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 there is no problem with the nuclear deal itself, but we believe it should contain non-nuclear aspects such as, uh, which are more eminent danger than uh, developing a nuclear, and especially the kind of uh, uh, support for uh, militias uh, in, uh, in the region, uh, in at least four other Arab uh, countries, um, which is destabilizing the whole uh, Middle, uh, Middle East. And uh, I don't personally, I do not think it's an unreasonable ask to have, you know, if we're going to sit with the Iranians and negotiate for this long, to include that and finish this problem once and for all. Okay, one, one more question about uh, 
Iran. Um, what can we learn from the survey results concerning the Arab public's view of the killing of Qasem Soleimani, the commander of the IRGC? Um, the results seem to split for the region, um, but there are variations by country. Yeah. So uh, you will find on that particular question that uh, which is we, whenever we do these uh, results with uh, studies with YouGov, we always end up, we think we understand the region, but then the numbers surprise us. What was surprising here is uh, that in countries which are most affected by uh, Iran, uh, namely uh, Iraq, for example, uh, Yemen, uh, uh, Syria, you find more uh, popularity for the decision to strike uh, Qasem Soleimani. Then, for example, a country which is shocking also, uh, Qatar, which hosts the biggest uh, U.S. military base uh, in, in, in the region. But, you know, I can only analyze, uh, you know, I can look at the figures and only analyze what this means. I mean, these countries, again, are at the forefront, um, are feeling the pinch of, of uh, so this is kind of their way of expressing justice. There is no question uh, in my mind that Qasem Soleimani is responsible for a lot of crime, for a lot of turmoil, um, has been spearheading uh, Iranian efforts to destabilize uh, the region. And um, I think justice has been served um, by uh, his uh, killing. So um, this unsurprisingly, uh, uh, would have been one of the uh, more popular uh, decisions by the Trump administration in areas uh, that have been really uh, affected by uh, the uh, Iranian uh, regime. Okay, thank you. Now, we've spent a lot of time talking about the Iran file in general. As a final question, let me give you an opportunity to speak more broadly. What does the Arab public want from the U.S. foreign policy for the region on the basis of the survey? What are the top issues that Washington should address? Um, so uh, again, uh, you will find, uh, so we have a question, which is the wish list of US priorities in, in the Arab world. I'm gonna go through them and then try to analyze a bit further. But um, as, and as, as I just had mentioned, um, the beauty of these studies is you don't know what comes out. Uh, and this is, it's like having a thermometer uh, to understand the temperature of, of the Arab street. But, you know, for example, empowering young people scored high, 44%. Uh, and uh, the Middle East, for those who don't know, is a predominantly young um, uh, part of the world. Um, we have 70% of the population in Saudi Arabia, for example, that are less than 30 years old. So, uh, uh, and um, we uh, uh, have a, a young population which is eager to achieve, which is eager for opportunities, um, which uh, has, uh, you know, had the short end of the stick for a very, very long time. So um, when I look at this figure and I see 44% of people, the only, the closest figure, imagine, uh, imagine Russell, uh, the solving the Arab-Israeli conflict it, it scores equally. So imagine decades of, you know, uh, uh, this cause uh, being repeated day in and day out in the media, the kind of religious symbolism of, uh, of Jerusalem, um, you know, uh, the occupied uh, territories, 
uh, imagine that this is at par with uh, empowering young people. So this is how hungry this young part of the world is for somebody to give a helping hand and help build societies with young people who are dynamic, who want to, you know, have either start uh, their own businesses or find uh, find a job and feel uh, empowered and be uh, in control of their own uh, destiny. Um, uh, non surprisingly, of course, uh, the second item is the uh, containing coronavirus at 37%. Uh, and uh, again, no surprise there. Um, uh, it has had a devastating uh, impact on, uh, on, on the region, especially, for example, in uh, countries that are not that well off. Um, I have to say, uh, Gulf countries, again, uh, good management. It's not just the resources, but also uh, effective government has meant that uh, it was contained in countries where, uh, again, uh, Hezbollah backed by Iran has had uh, uh, an impact. But for example, in Lebanon, the situation is uh, uh, horrible considering that there's an outbreak that is not under control at the moment of coronavirus blended with uh, an economic crisis and political standstill with a militant group that's hijacking the, the country. So that is a recipe of disaster there. Um, uh, speaking of Hezbollah, uh, uh, after that, at 24%, you have containing Iran and, and Hezbollah, and uh, uh, which is also interesting because it's at par with quashing radical Islamic uh, terrorism, 24%. Uh, this is beautiful, actually, because if I were to analyze it, I would say, this shows you that we've had enough of Sunni extremism and Shiite extremism. We've just had enough of extremism, period. Uh, so uh, uh, this is uh, something that uh, the Arab world uh, would love to see uh, the US take an active part in. And of course, uh, last but not least is climate change, 17%. And my argument there uh, is I am, a firm believer that climate change is a, a, a disaster in, in waiting. And uh, I would attribute the, uh, the low number uh, of uh, awareness of it uh, with the lack of uh, education uh, or uh, enough resources to understand uh, how big of a problem uh, this is. So uh, this is, uh, um, uh, which, you know, again, uh, if I just take the liberty of going um, uh, into one more item, which is the exact same question, uh, um, the, the, the following question, which is, what are the clear and biggest dangers in the eyes of the region? Just to kind of, because uh, it correlates with what I just said, the, um, despite it, I think, being the most serious, uh, which is lack of clean water, uh, lack of clean water ranks the lowest in what the Arab world sees as um, uh, a kind of an eminent danger. And, you know, considering a lot of the countries are essentially deserts or, or were originally deserts that have grown to become uh, fascinating, impressive metropolises. Um, I think that's, that tells you a lot about how much we need to focus on this uh, particular issue. Okay, thank you, Faisal, for this very informative discussion. Listeners can follow Faisal on Twitter at Faisal J. Abbas, and you can follow Hoover's working group on the Middle East and the Islamic world at www.hoover.org caravan. 
Please return to listen to our future discussions of the Middle East and U.S. foreign policy. Thank you. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution, where we advance ideas that define a free society. For more information about our work and to hear more of our podcasts or see our video content, please visit hoover.org.